Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Reginald! I, <laughs> I thought you should have some real cool, like, classic literary name. You know, oh. I, I like that. And, and Reggie's fine. You know, it doesn't have to be Reginald. It can be just Reggie. Well, I'm um, glad our I'm glad our relationship has reached that point. It's so nice. Right. The uh, all right. So welcome back to uh, episode two of the work, uh, the workplace book club, or as we fondly call it, guys with outlooks with books. So clever, so oh, clever, Mike. Oh, so what are we it's doing a, today? You know, that's a hashtag, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that, but the, so yeah, this is episode two. Um, I have included that hashtag guys without looks with books in our um, in our first post and we'll continue to do so. But this is sort of a work in progress. We're, we're evolving this as we go. Um, and the idea is that, uh, you know, in, in my uh, company hip socket, we say wrestle and grow. And so we're going to wrestle with a little bit of classic literature uh, we're again going back to Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice, same chapter even from last time, just another little nugget, just a couple pages over. And um, this, this is the way I, I want to sort of give people a little bit of a context before we just jump into this. But I was, uh, I was taught sort of a method of studying things called the inductive study method. Inductive study is very simple. It basically has you ask three basic questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And then, and only then, can you ask the final question, what does it mean to me? And so, uh, so many times you hear people, you know, discussing uh, uh, some passage they've read, and they'll immediately say, you know, to me, what that says is like, well, I don't care what it says to you. What does it actually say first? I'm not even sure I understand the passage. So let's make sure we understand it. What does it say? And then we'll move on to what does it mean and what does it mean to me, the, the application of, of the passage, if there is one. So we're going to do that um, here with Pride and Prejudice. So we're, we're back in chapter 10, and you know we're sort of jumping in midstream here, obviously, but uh, we have um, something that's, that's happened right before this, which is uh, Mr. Bingley, one of the characters, uh, says that he is uh, so spontaneous that if he decided to leave the place he was living at, he'd be gone in five minutes, you know, just so spontaneous. And his friend, uh, sort of the, the, the main love interest in the story, uh, Mr. Darcy, uh, Mr. Darcy's very, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a deep thinker, uh, you know, very, uh, very thoughtful person um, in that sense. And he says, no way, says, uh, you're, you're far too obliging to just at the drop of a hat, leave a place. He said, uh, uh, even if Bingley were already on his horse, if somebody sort of touched his leg and asked him to stay longer, he would immediately oblige. And if it, they just said one more word, he might stay a month. So Mr. Bingley just oblige, 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 you know, not, not spontaneous. So Elizabeth Bennett, the Mr. Darcy's future love interest, they, they fight like cats and dogs, but uh, eventually they'll end up together. Elizabeth Bennett defends Bingley uh, by accusing Darcy of something. So uh, that's where the quote begins is what she accuses uh, Darcy of. So here we go. Um, she says, to yield readily, easily to the persuasion of a friend is no merit with you. And he says, to yield without conviction is no compliment to the understanding of either. 
And then she says this. You appear to me, Mr. Darcy, to allow nothing for the influence of friendship and affection. A regard for the requester would often make one readily yield to a request without waiting for arguments to reason one into it. I'm not particularly speaking of such a case as you have supposed about Mr. Bingley. We may as well wait, perhaps, till the circumstance occurs before we discuss the discretion of his behavior thereupon. But in general, in ordinary cases between friend and friend, where one of them is desired by the other to change a resolution of no very great moment, should you think ill of that person for complying with the desire without waiting to be argued into it? So there is the quote. Uh, that's that's our short little passage today. Um, so it, let me suggest to anybody who's listening along, you might want to just rewind the podcast and listen to that last little bit again. Uh, we'll have it up on the screen, you know, for any of you watching on YouTube, pause it or whatever you need to do. Um, and we will have a handout version of this. But um, at any rate, Mike, let's just talk about this. And, and as usual, you know, you've had very little prep. That's sort of the, the idea here is we're just sort of off the cuff, uh, seeing if there's you know, golden nuggets to be gleaned here. But Elizabeth says this bit about, you know, there are these general and ordinary cases, uh, these general and ordinary cases between friend and friend, where one of them is desired by the other to change a resolution of no very great moment. You know, these decisions, these uh, requests that are just uh, the general and ordinary cases, friend to friend. And what does Elizabeth say, you know, really should be considered here when you're making such a, uh, uh, a decision? Well, I think I think she's saying that the yeah. If, if to me the first thing that popped in my head was trust. If there's if there's trust yeah. from in the relationship and somebody that you trust asks you to do something, uh, then yeah. you don't need a, a a plethora of arguments and all this kind of stuff. You just go, okay, I trust this person. They're my friend, and yeah. they need help. They need something. Then it's then I will acquiesce. And yeah, she says friend, you know, several times in, mm -hmm. in her speech. Uh, so that's obviously, you know, she says friendship, friend of friend and friend, between friend and friend, uh, uh, the persuasion of a friend. Uh, mm -hmm. So it has to, it has to be something about that. Yeah. Right. Um, if, it, if it's somebody, yeah. So all you have to do is take the opposite of that and say, if it's someone you don't know, you know, and you don't trust and there is no friendship right, right. and they ask you to do something, then it's probably best to ask a bunch of questions. <laughs> let's, let's get into the particulars of, uh, you know, this request and, and see the, is it with merit, you know, and, and, and then make a, a, a more logical decision on whether or not to, uh, to do it or not. Okay. You, and you say that. So, so let's talk about Mr. Darcy's uh, version of how this should go, because he doesn't make that distinction per se about is it a friend, is it is it a stranger. He just says simply, to yield without conviction is no compliment to the understanding of either. Um, and I, I would assume either either person he's talking about there. To yield without conviction is no compliment to the understanding. So, um, so, so in his mind, uh, what really should be considered in in these requests and decisions that a person's asked to make. Oh yeah, he's saying that there's a ton of variables to take into account. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, what is the request and what's it for and who's asking? And, you know, what's in it for me? Right. What's in it for them? Right? There's just yeah, yeah we're going to have this extended conversation uh, and and hopefully surface all these things before we can make a decision to a uh, you know 
honor the request or or decline it. Right. And and he says conviction and in my head, you know, you can think like passionate convictions about, you know, your beliefs about the first amendment or, but I think it's more like convinced. You know, it's it's I I have come to a conclusion. This is what I think is is the correct course. Um you wouldn't do that without uh you know thinking through some things like you just mentioned, you know, all those different variables. Um, so, well, all right. So with that being said, you know, let's, let's talk about, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen this play out as have you. Uh, it probably plays out in our friendship, frankly. Um, but I, you know, I have colleagues in the workplace who emphasize truth, uh, logic, uh, objectivity, right? I have other friends and, and peers in the workforce, in the workplace, that emphasize uh, relationships or the impact that a decision is going to have on the people around them. Um, harmony, you know, harmony in the workplace is, a, is really important to them. Um, so, so maybe let's, like, let's look at both of those sides and just talk about the consequences of having a view that really emphasizes one or the other. Um, so, so let's start with the, the, the truth, logic, objectivity guy. Um, if he really stresses that emphasizes that in his decision-making and so on, um, what are the, what are some negative consequences that spill out of, of that, uh, sort of mode of operation? Well, I think it depends on, on who the other person in the conversation is. So, so if I'm a, if I'm a, a logic, uh, objective, rational thinking, you know, primary thinking person, then I right. need you to make the case, right? Give me the seven bullet points on why we should do what you're suggesting. If, I, if I'm dealing with somebody who's more on the people side of things and the relationship side of things, now I'm offended. Uh, you, you know, I've, I've asked you to do this and now you want me to provide seven bullet points on why it is that you should do this. Mm -hmm. Isn't everything that we've been through, our relationship, the trust that we have, is that not enough? So now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning, right, 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 how well are we connected? Uh, do we share the same values and, and all that kind of stuff? So, um, yeah, if you if you think about this, right, what we're talking about is we you know we every now and then we talk about the the disc behavioral assessment, yep. and so you're talking about uh, the I's and the S's, uh, right, the influencers and steadiness on one side, right, and the D's and the C's, uh, the dominant conscientious on the other side, and so the D's and C's would be that logical yep. oriented, yeah, let's get the task done, and I need concrete reasons. The I's and the S's would be, hey, this person needs help. They're a good guy. I trust them. Let's go do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you brought up that um, the, the DISC paradigm. Um, I, I can't help but think about um, a couple of episodes back. We talked about toxic high producers. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the, the high producer um, often, I, we actually had some feedback from uh, a listener saying, you know, wow, that's me. And, and this listener happened to be uh, someone who has a technical role with his company and uh, is, is frankly paid to have that logic side of his brain operating at peak capacity and is very good at it. You know, he's, he's one of the highest producers. 
um, for his uh, department. And the danger there is that, you know, you're a, you're a D, you're a C, you're really emphasizing that. And the danger is um, you end up stepping on the feet of the people around you, emphasizing that. We want him to find all the uh, problems. You know, he's, he's diagnosing all the time and making money for his company. He's diagnosing problems within the organization. He's probably right. He probably has seven bullet points that he could give you on. This is why this is wrong. And here's, you know, here's what we should do about it. Um, you're still going to have to bring along those people on the other side of the coin who don't see that that's as big a deal as some of these friendship issues or relationship issues that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can, uh, you, I can almost feel the pain from this person's perspective of the discomfort mm. and how frustrating it must be to have all these things and know clearly what should be changed and not be able to get people to, to even you know, give them a fair hearing. Uh, right. Because I'm not approaching them in the manner uh, which they believe things are of primary importance. That's, yeah, and it, that's a painful way to go through life. <laughs> well, and, and we were talking about this earlier that, um, you know, uh, it's not who you know, it's, or it's not what you know, it's who you know. I, I, uh, I had somebody, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, actually, that uh, young guy, um, salesman for his organization, and uh, he, he just, you know, came up to me out of the blue and he said, hey, you, you got to help me get into management. It's like, oh, OK, yeah, sure. What what's what's going on? He goes, I've got an IQ of like 120, like the end. That's all he said, like that, like that proves it. That proves it. Logically, you know, I should be in, in that chair. And of course, that's not what gets you to that chair. You know, it's it's not the fact that, you know, all the answers. It's that you have the ability to get people to, to buy into the vision and, and, uh, and then follow you. So, um, I, I, I kind of hurt for both sides of this, to be honest, because let's flip it around. Now, the other side is this person who emphasizes the, the relationships and so on, possibly at the cost of some of this objectivity and logic, um, negative consequences that you see, uh, from, from that approach. Oh, I think we've all had the experience of having a friend lead us astray. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I've got this great idea. Are you with me? Sure. You know, and then, you know, next thing yeah. you know, you're, you're in the back of a police car, uh, right? There's, there's 200,000 goldfish laying on the ground, you know, just <laughs> the usual um, but so there, yeah, maybe asking a few more questions, maybe challenging, uh, you know, despite the friendship, despite the trust, maybe challenging, not necessarily the, the, the friendship or the relationship, but just the idea and its merits, right? What is this thing yeah. that you want us to do? Um, I, I think of this, uh, there's a scene from a movie. I don't know the movie, never seen it, but I always see this one scene and the guy walks into the room. There's a there, his friend is sitting on the couch, and the, the guy walks in the room says, "I need your help. You can never tell anybody what we did, and we're going to hurt some people." And the guy <laughs> on the the guy on the couch looks up and says, "So whose car are we taking?" <laughs> it's like that's what I'm talking. That's a friend right there, right? That's that's who we're talking about in this, you know, in this paragraph is, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do it because you asked. 
don't care if it's legal, illegal, right? But the relationship is such that that's what we do. I love that. And, and it does, you know, it really does speak to the fact that if you want results, if, if that's what you want, you know, you probably need to have the right approach. Uh, but even if you have the right approach, you're going to have to go through the relationships with those around you to get to the results that you want. And so that's, that's got to be a part of the equation. So let, let's, let's sum it up with this um, practical ways to live in this tension, because that's what I think we're both basically saying is that it's not a problem to solve you know, should I be relationship oriented? Should I be logic oriented? That's not the issue. What we're talking about here is that's a tension to manage. You have to have relationships. You have to have logic. You have to have both. So you have to live in that tension and manage the tension between those two. Would you throw out some ideas of practical ways you've seen that allow people to, to manage that tension? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is, is respond with some sort of affirmation. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a commitment affirmation, just, wow, that sounds interesting, yeah, right? Yeah, That's unique. I hadn't thought of that. And then, uh, you know, that, that opportunity to find the middle ground. You, you know, we've done a lot of good things. I've never questioned you. Um, can I ask you a few more questions? And so that ask mm -hmm. permission, you know, to ask questions, right? This sounds pretty interesting. Can I ask, you know, a little more about it before yeah. we dive into it? And uh, you know, and some of the some of the great what questions that we've talked about over the years, right? So, so what is it about this that's most important to you? What is it uh, that you hope to get out of this? What is it, uh, you, know, you know, that you ultimately see as the, the best outcome of this? Right. And and just you know, cause the person that you're speaking with to maybe think it through a little bit deeper, and at the same time share with you a few insights about, okay, what are what are we really talking about here? Love that. And, and notice that, you know, there are going to be different parts of that that are hard, uh, depending on which you emphasize, right? If, if you're the logic person, it's slowing down to give that affirmation before you launch into some questions. Mm -hmm. um, if you're the relationship-oriented person, the affirmation comes naturally, maybe even, you know, just obliging the person and going along with it. But asking permission to ask some questions gives you a way to back into that, okay, wait a minute, I really need to get the logic clear here and make sure I understand what's true about this and, and whether or not I have a conviction that goes along with this. Um, so both sides benefit from that approach. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, let me throw in, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead, no, please. go ahead. I was, I was just going to throw in, uh, you know, the, the idea of know thyself, right? So if you've never taken the DISC assessment, and there are some other tool, tools out there that are phenomenal, um, that's a heck of a way uh, for you to, you know, essentially uh, learn more about yourself and, and what kind of a person you are. And um, if it's a DISC report worth its salt, um, you'll probably get some further strategies on how to deal with this type of person versus that type of person. Um, and it, you know, we've covered one of the two axis axes uh, as part of DISC. DISC is going to give you another one as well about uh, sort of change and stability being another axis. It's phenomenal. It's it's uh, it's very eye opening, and your spouse should read it and laugh heartily when you get that report because that's what generally happens when spouses see this. So it's well, another idea. Well, and I think it's interesting, and and having you know been a, a student of DISC for for many years, I've yep. discovered and and just discovered just now that that you'll often find that the the four DISC styles are portrayed in books, yeah. movies, storytelling. 
And so you'll right. find that there's very often four main characters in any story, and it's yep. the tension between them because of their different personality styles uh, that allows for great comedy, great drama, great tension, uh, which is part of great storytelling. So, so in this case, with with you know uh, Darcy, uh, Mr. Darcy, and Bingley and Elizabeth, and all of a sudden we've got we've got these four character styles, and then there's naturally tension that's there. So. Um, totally. You know, before this was a, a solidified concept, right? The ideas were were always present that these different personality styles are gonna are are gonna butt heads, and it's gonna make for interesting storytelling. You, you know, that's why it's called humor. Uh, the the Shakespearean plays would have been plays about people who had their humors, their fluids that put pulled you in one direction or another on these axes. Um, there were four fluids in your bloodstream and you know if you had too much of this one it would make you very you know uh, melancholic if you pulled it too much this other direction it would be another and so so they were humorous comedies that's why that's why humor is used as a word for comedy so this is an ancient ancient way um, to uh, to to approach um, sort of thinking about how humans operate um, let me let me say just sort of in, in wrapping this up that, you know, the idea of wrestle and grow, like wrestle and grow in, in what way? And I would say organized, confident, and influential. Grow in your organization, your, your confidence, and your, and your influence. And, and here, what we've done is we've tried to give you a poll, right? We're, we're a, a couple of polls, logic-oriented, relationship-oriented. And, and we're saying that get organized in your knowledge of that being a concept and now go out and wrestle with it, right? We, we've got you a handout that we'll, you know, provide on the, on the website. Um, but, but go out and wrestle with this and notice how it's happening. Try it out a little bit. Um, you know, these approaches that we've given you and your influence will grow. I mean, we're not saying that it's all about influence and, and, you know, you controlling everything. We're just saying that you will see uh, things starting to, uh, you're going to be able to impact things. You're going to be able to impact things for good. So um, we, we hope that's what people do as they go through these crazy podcast episodes that we're taking a shot on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting conversation. And, and while we're having the conversation, I have to admit, right, some of these new thoughts, new ideas come to mind. You start replaying situations in your head of, of past encounters with folks that, that went extremely sure. well or went completely off the rails. Either way, uh, it was something to learn from. So uh, anything else that you, uh, you'd like to share before we log off? Yeah, well, well I appreciate what you just said because it doesn't take a genius, right? Like anybody can read this stuff and, and get some thoughts. Um, yeah, same here. And so let me, let me just, as a little bit of inspiration, let me share with you. I've been reading my Jane Austen from this complete works of Jane Austen. And look how beat up my book is, Mike. It's, just, it's ancient, right? So I bought it uh, at a like at a yard sale, I think. And um, in the front of it, it says Marjorie G. Torrance, December 1935. So this this is an old book. It's, you know, coming up on 100 years. And that's her handwritten name. And on the other side is the stamp, right? And the stamp says property of home for young girls, 318 East. Uh, I can't read it. Something Parkway, New York City. So I just love the thought that I don't know how this ended up in my hands, but there was, I assume, an orphan named Marjorie 
who in the 30s was reading Pride and Prejudice. And I hope, Marjorie, if you're out there still, that this benefited you and and uh, and you grew, right? You wrestled with this and you grew. But that's our offer to people is, you know, th this, this seems crazy. Why would anybody in the workplace spend time on this? I contend that there is a huge opportunity for growth if you're willing to wrestle with this. And by the way, it's going to unlock a part of your brain that you're not really using typically at work. And it's just going to make life that much richer for you, frankly. You're going to be a better human. So that's my inspirational message for the day. <laughs> that, oh, that is cool. Yeah, and uh, Marjorie would be 105 years old, approximately. So, yeah, if she's on I have the, faith, Marjorie. <laughs> if she's on the interweb and the COVID hadn't got her, uh, yeah, yeah, Mark has your book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Put it back, uh, right? Just, just email me. Uh, email address is in the comments below. And uh, I'll make sure you get your book back. And I'd like to apologize on Mark's behalf. You know, he didn't know he was buying stolen material. So right. got that going for us. All right. <laughs> Another great episode of Guys Without Looks with Books. And uh, I That's know right. our, our announcer is very excited about the whole thing. So we'll, uh, we'll turn it over to him. Speaking of Guys Without Looks. <laughs> and that's a wrap. The musings of Mark and Mike. No rights reserved, etc. Feel free to share and discuss what you heard today. Even claim the ideas as your own. <laughs> Who'd want to do that? See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius. Thanks. That's good enough.